0: game changer you've heard that expression right uh it's used a lot these days maybe it's overused a little bit but game changer is that expression that describes something that dramatically changes a circumstance a situation and dramatically changes it either for better or for worse back in january you had this uh anonymous woman in new hampshire who won the powerball remember that She won $560 million. That's a game changer. I'd like to have $560. $560 million? Wow, that'd be nice. I was reading a couple of months ago a biography of Alexander the Great and so many amazing stories and some of which I imagine are true that have come from Herodotus and others. Uh, But one of the stories as he began his conquest that really captured my imagination, and this one we know is true, he gets to the ancient city of Tyre right off the coast of Lebanon it was a mile probably a little less than a mile of water it was on an island very wealthy trading city the city of Tyre and so other cities were were sending out crowns to Alexander basically ways of saying hey we submit to you you're our king now or we're going to turn away from the Persians and turn toward you but the king of Tyre said no We're safe. We've been protected for all these centuries by these waters around us. We will not submit. Alexander had a little bit of a a navy, not much of a navy, but uh, he decided, no, we're taking Tyre. How? Well, he called out his Corps of Engineers, and over a seven-month period of time, they actually built a land bridge, kind of a levee, all the way from the coastline out to the city of Tyre. And I have to imagine the last words there for the king of Tyre were, uh uh-oh. Actually, I think Alexander the Great spared him, so game changer though. This time of year, I have to think about the final four, I have to think about college basketball, where that expression kind of comes from, that world of sports game changer. Imagine that your team has this superstar player, and as the tournament goes on, he is throwing down massive dunks and getting key steals, and he's the one that's hitting those dagger in the heart shots at the ends of, of the game to kind of advance your team through the tournament. He is making everything work. And then you get to the final four, the beginning of the game, breaks his ankle. That would be devastating, right, for the team, devastating for the fan base. That would be truly a a game-changing moment. The disciples had seen Calvary, seen Jesus die on the cross, He wasn't injured. He was taken out, murdered by the Romans. His body, his cadaver, taken down off the cross, placed in the borrowed tomb that belonged to Joseph of Arimathea. What a a gut punch. What a game-changing gut punch for that group of disciples, right? I mean, they had such high hopes. Jesus, he wasn't just the star player. Jesus was their everything, and their everything had just died. What would they do? Where would they go? What would happen? It was a game-changing moment. And in John's gospel, chapter 20, we see them locked in this room, and they are terrified, and they are discouraged, no idea how they're going to recover. John chapter 20, start in verse 19. Later on that day, the disciples had gathered together, but fearful of the Jews, they had locked all the doors in the house. I love this part. Jesus entered. Locked doors are not a problem for Jesus, okay? Jesus entered, stood among them, and said, Peace to you. Then he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples, seeing the master with their own eyes, were exuberant. Jesus repeated the greeting, Peace to you. Just as the Father sent me, I send you talk about a contrast there two very different words in verse 19 John describes them as being fearful and then in verse 20 he describes them as being exuberant what happened sandwiched between those two words Jesus showed up that's what happened he showed up alive it was him even had the marks from the cross Their Messiah was back. Their everything was back. He had been raised from death to life just as he had promised he would be. And that's what we celebrate today. That's what we gather to to think about, turn our attentions to, to worship God for this amazing, game-changing moment. And it wasn't just a game-changer for those disciples It can be your game changer. Jesus raised for you. And if you'll give me a couple minutes, what I want to do is take a little case study. Okay, let's quantify this. Um, what kind of difference does the resurrection make in the life of a person? And so we're going to do a, a small case study, sample size of two. Two gentlemen that we are going to look at this morning. Their names are Judas, Judas Iscariot, Peter, Simon Peter. And both of these guys, as we look at them before the death of Jesus, they were both emotionally devastated by what was happening. Both of them were just torn apart. Judas, Matthew 27, verse 5, Judas went away and hanged himself. He was devastated. Peter, Luke 22, verse 62, Peter, he went outside and wept bitterly. And they were both of them. They were grief-stricken. They were torn up by the agony uh, of Jesus and by their roles in the agony of Jesus. By the ways they had contributed to the suffering of Jesus. And if we take an honest look at what the gospel accounts uh, describe about these two gentlemen... They really look a lot alike up to this point in the story. They really do. I put this on your outline this morning. You can fill in the blanks if you want to. Uh, Look, while history regards one as a zero, Judas, and the other as a hero, the apostle Peter, they actually had a lot in common. They really did. These two guys, if you look at their life stories, very, very similar stuff. Both men had been chosen, right, to be apostles, They had been chosen out of the followers of Jesus to be among this group of 12, very select group, SEAL Team 6 of the apostles. And they had gotten to, because of that enormous privilege and honor, that selection, they had gotten to to personally walk with Jesus for 36 months. They'd seen these miracles, you know, sometimes maybe 5 feet, 10 feet away from these incredible miracles. They had heard Jesus teach, Jesus preach. They had seen Jesus pray. They had sat around the campfire with Jesus at night, eating and swapping stories. Both of them, part of this small group, right? And within that group, both Judas and Peter had positions of leadership. Judas was the CFO of the ministry, kept track of the funds, Peter was also one of the leaders among that group of apostles. So they both had leadership positions. On a very personal note, and kind of a painful note, each of them had been personally scolded, rebuked by Jesus in front of the others. Remember? Judas was rebuked when Mary came and offered that very expensive sacrifice, that anointing of Jesus with that high dollar perfume. And and Judas had commented, what a waste of money. Instead of buying perfume, we could have spent that to, to feed the poor or do something good with that money. And Jesus had rebuked Judas for that. Peter, of course, got scolded publicly one time as well it's interesting if you even want to dive into the details we won't dive too much into the details but it's interesting that uh, the Bible tells us that Satan had entered the heart of Judas here in these final hours and the Bible tells us that Peter had been called Satan at the time of his rebuke in the gospel so they really there were a lot of similarities. They had a lot in common. And oh yeah, each of these two fellows had been warned about a huge mistake. A horrific, tragic mistake that they were about to make. And yeah, each of them had gone ahead and made the mistake anyway. Judas selling out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Peter betraying Jesus. His Lord three times before the cockroad. And as we noted earlier, they're both now in the final hours of Jesus, they're both emotional wrecks. Devastated. They had a lot in common on these parallel paths until the game changer, until the resurrection. Of Jesus which unfortunately Judas wasn't around for the resurrection he quit on life he quit on the Lord he took his life and locked in his failure Peter hadn't and that made the difference in the case study between these two men write this on your outline the game-changer was that Peter lived to see and experience the resurrection of Jesus. That made the difference. So Peter was there in that locked room full of fearful disciples. And then Jesus showed up very much alive, and that fact changed everything for Peter and those other disciples weeks later Peter is the one that's going to get up in front of multitudes of people in a public square in Jerusalem and proclaim the death burial and resurrection of Jesus and check this out thousands of people gave their lives to Christ thousands of people were touched by the message that he proclaimed now, full disclosure here, just want to be totally honest. Peter did not suddenly, post-resurrection, Peter did not become Mr. Perfect, all right? It's not like Peter never made any mistakes for the rest of his life, but the game-changing reality of the empty tomb had altered the way he lived and what he experienced is what each one of us can and should experience through the power of the resurrection, the power of Easter. And so just quick ideas here, nothing that you haven't heard before, but I just want to remind you of some of the basic truths that Easter proclaims to be true about us. The first one is about our pardon, or rather about our power. That my struggles today, and you may have showed up this morning with a lot of struggles, but your struggles today can turn into tomorrow's triumph. I mean, think about the story. As Christians, we look at the moment of, of greatest defeat, of shame, of humiliation. Jesus on the cross, the Son of God, murdered, lifeless. We look at that moment and we see how God transformed that moment into this triumph that millions, probably billions of people today around the world are celebrating. We believe in a God who can take the ugliest situation and he can make it something incredibly beautiful and powerful. That's the God we serve. That's the story of Easter. And, th- and let me be clear about this. Jesus' resurrection, it's not just a one-off. It's not just an isolated thing. Well, yay for Jesus. This is our story. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says this. He says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives where? Yeah. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you lives in you the resurrection power of Christ lives in you and that my friends that's a game changer that's a game changer but what about our failures now, what about the sins that we still struggle with what about our our selfishness what about the ways that we at times maybe betray jesus a little bit like peter betrayed jesus maybe not quite that bad maybe it is that bad what about all that stuff well because of the gospel story this is that second bullet point there we have pardon pardon my sins have been forgiven i know it And Jesus put this communion service, this Lord's Supper, right in the middle of what we do when we gather so that we would not forget that our sins have been washed away. That we would remember that we are held guiltless before God because Jesus took our sins on his back and he paid the price that we owed. There is forgiveness in the name of Jesus. Now, if you want some really... Really good news today. Here it is from John, first John chapter 2 verse 12. John writes this, your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Read this one with me. Your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. That's good. Thank you Jesus. My his, my sins are not held against me because of you Jesus. My sins are gone. And so Peter felt the freedom of forgiveness. The thief on the cross felt the freedom of forgiveness. And in Christ, that's where we live. We live in this space of freedom, of grace, of confidence. And because of the resurrection, third bullet point there, we have incredible potential. We don't just have power, we don't just have pardon, we have potential in Christ. Uh, My God hasn't given up on me. Peter found that out. He thought probably, well, Jesus must have given up on me, betrayed him three times, let him down. No, Jesus, Jesus said, you're good. You're good. I love you, Peter. I've still got work for you to do. Go feed my sheep, Peter. We know this to be true. We know that God's got big plans for us. Peter went from being a, a letdown to a leader, went from being a betrayer to a believer, and because of the resurrected Jesus, Peter experienced the gift of a second chance. And let me tell you something this morning. If you're here, maybe, you're, maybe you don't usually go to church. We're glad that you're here with us. And I want to tell you something. God hasn't given up on you. God has not given up on you. And you're at a church that hasn't given up on you either. And you may, wait, wait, Gort. You you have no idea what I've done in my life. You don't know my story. You don't know what a mess I've made of myself. I would just say to you, you, you don't know us very well either if you're visiting here. There, this room is full of stories of people who had really messed up. And because of our faith in the game-changing resurrection of Jesus, those stories have been forever altered. People at this church have broken free from addictions because of the power of Christ. People have had their families that were just a mess, just virtually destroyed. They've seen God do something new and beautiful there. We have people at this church who've served prison time. Through the power of the resurrection, their lives are different. We have people at this church who'd lost hope, tried to take their own lives. But through the power of the resurrection... Just say that we don't give up on people because God didn't give up on us. And so you're at a place where you can grow and change and you can hope. You can believe because you're around people who have seen the power of the resurrection at life, at work in our own lives, in our own stories. So let me just say that again. God has not given up on you. Amen. God hadn't given up on Peter. And God hadn't given up on you. Now, Peter may have thought it was all over. I betrayed Jesus. Jesus was crucified. His cadaver was taken down from the cross, put in a tomb, a, a stone rolled in front of the entrance. He's gone. But then he walks into the room. Jesus, resurrected, alive. And he saw that not only, Peter saw that not only was his story not over, his story was really just beginning because it is truly a game-changing situation. And finally, because of the resurrection, we have promise. We have promise. Talk about a game-changer. Peter goes, or or Jesus rather, goes from death to life. Jesus kind of pulls back the curtain, and we see this life is not all that there is. What a sad way to live if you believe this life is all that there is. Jesus pulls back the curtain and shows us this life is not all that there is. We've got a little bit of a situation back here. Let's just stop and pray, and we'll continue on as folks work there. I don't know what's going on, but God... We love you. We love your children. We pray that you will intervene in this situation, Father. We pray that you will work in the situation, Father, as you've done so many times before. Father, we're thankful that we have a family of brothers and sisters who support us, and that through all stages of life, we can walk hand-in-hand with you. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. So let's talk about that promise for a second as we close out our time this morning. I mean, think about it. At the center of our faith is a tomb that is empty. and nobody there. What other faith in whatever world religion has something like that? Right? I mean, the center of our faith is an empty tomb. That, that pretty much says it all. And so people in this world, if you believe this, this life is all that there is, I'm not going to say you're a bad person, but I'm going to say there is a tendency. If this is it, if when the clock hits zero, it's all over, then you become a little bit more selfish, a little bit more, let's hoard things, let's make sure I get mine. I'd make sure I grab as much as I can for me and my family during my short life here. And sometimes people will even use people to get what they want, step on people to get what they want. But the resurrection proclaims loudly, echoes throughout the ages, this life is not all there is. This life here and now is scarcely the beginning. And so we are set free to be a different sort of people. We don't have it all together, but it helps us, doesn't it? It helps us love our neighbors when maybe our neighbors are a little bit difficult to love. It inspires us to to use our vacation time or our money to, to go on mission works where we go to Ghana or we go to Guatemala. Or we go help with hurricane relief down in Houston. Why do we do that? We do it because the resurrection has has gotten a hold of us. Anything really, anything good that we do, it's not us. It's that spirit who lives in us. It's that resurrection at work in our lives. And so back to our text in John chapter 20. The disciples were fearful. They were discouraged. Then all of a sudden, they're exuberant. The difference is the resurrection. And check this out. I think this is so interesting. In that chapter, right there in verse 29, you are part of the story. Jesus brings us into the story. Listen very closely to what Jesus says as he interrupts their little meeting in that locked room. He says in verse 29, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are you. Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Let's read that together. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are you. Jesus brings you into the story. That's us. We are the people that Jesus is talking about there. We weren't eyewitnesses of Easter, but we have chosen to believe in the power of Christ, chosen to believe that he was resurrected from dead. And this morning, I would just ask you, have you made that game-changing decision to make Jesus Lord of your life? Star player breaks his ankle. You know, athletes can come back from a broken ankle. Someone goes bankrupt. People come back from bankruptcy all the time. Somebody gets a diagnosis of cancer. People can beat cancer. This one was different. People just don't come back from being clinically dead. I mean, it's three days, right? They don't come back alive after three days of being dead. This one did. This is unlike any game changer in the history of the world. Jesus came back from death. And now he says, I'm the resurrection, I'm the life invite you to trust in him this morning. Maybe you need to be baptized into Christ, covered up in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Maybe you just need prayers. However, you need to respond to the story of Easter. Do that as we stand together and we worship.